Listen, you smell something? Human emotions are materializing in the form of a viscous psychoreactive plasm with explosive supernormal potential. What a discovery, a psychoreactive substance. Do you know what this equipment is used for? Boggle or Super Mario Brothers? We'll have fun! Yeah! Yes, you're doing it. Really, quite good work there. My friend, don't be a jerk. We've got no choice. Call a Ghostbuster. Super Jackpot! Welcome to Extraplasm Podcast. It's the only podcast on the internet that's launched an investigation into whether positively charged mood slime was smuggled to the North Pole without adequate requisition paperwork, such that the reindeer fly and the glowing nose phenomenon is increasing and expanding. I'm your host, Jim Maritato, aka Maniac on the internet, and this week I'm excited to be bringing you episode 62 with friend of the show, Tom Henry. Tom is a recurring guest on Extraplasm and one half of the Ghostbusters Containment Unit Autograph Collecting Group on Facebook, along with Matt Sanders. And I'm totally stoked that Tom was kind enough to join us this week for a recap of his recent trip to Steel City Con to complete a bulk signing opportunity with McKenna Grace, securing literally hundreds of custom-ordered autographs for Ghostbusters fans from around the world after flying cross-country with everybody's items. Tom is, of course, a dear friend of the show, the brains behind TCU Toys, and one of the contributors to our Ghostbusters Afterlife commentary track from episode 46, who I was really excited to bring back to the show and to talk with. So I'm thrilled to bring you this discussion as we get into some fun stories from his time with McKenna, her dog Gizmo, uh, some other celebrities that he ran into and met at the convention, as well as the chat about autograph collecting business and culture a bit. But before we get into that conversation, I want to remind you that this is the last regular episode of Extraplasm for 2023, meaning the last episode featuring a one-on-one interview with a guest released on a Tuesday. But don't fret or forget. You'll be seeing a special holiday release episode in your podcast feeds this coming weekend as Jason Fitzsimmons from Ghostbusters News and Tony Taylor of Phantasm Toys will be sitting down with me to provide you with a commentary track for the Christmas classic Scrooged, starring Bill Murray. Now, is that Ghostbusters? Well, no, but it's got Bill Murray and it's got three ghosts and it's got Bobcat Goldthwait, who's really cool. So (laughs) we'll argue that this is a bit of the extra and extraplasm and that this is close enough. It's a bit of a stretch, sure, but... There's not that much Ghostbusters Christmas media out there, right? There's just X marks the spot, which or Xmas marks the spot, which we've already done last year uh, with Chris Stewart. If you haven't listened to it, feel free to go grab that episode from the back catalog. Uh, but, you know, I'm excited about this episode. It's a movie I really love and that I like to watch every holiday season. And it's sort of peak Bill Murray. Um, it's, you know, a, the period after he's done uh, Ghostbusters, but it's before Ghostbusters 2. So it's a really fun movie to watch if you've never seen it. Although I imagine virtually everybody listening to this podcast has probably watched Scrooged. Uh, but I want to invite you to come in this weekend and check that out. This is going to be a BYOB affair, meaning bring your own Bill Murray. Uh, but be advised if you want to watch Scrooge for free, you can find it on MTV on several days over the course of the Christmas three day weekend. And for that reason, if you have terrestrial cable and like DVR on demand kinds of things, you may actually find it in the on-demand catalog of your cable provider, but it's also available for free on Pluto TV. And if you're an Amazon Prime or a Paramount Plus subscriber, it's part of your existing package. Although I will warn you, if you're on Amazon Prime, it is leaving Amazon Prime on the first of the new year. Uh, so you'll want to you know, actually tune in and listen to it before it disappears if you want to utilize Amazon Prime for that purpose. But beyond that, it's available for rent like virtually everywhere on a streaming platform for less than $4. So Uh, Bring your own Bill Murray, tune in this weekend uh, and check out the uh, commentary we're going to do for a holiday episode of, uh, you know, of Scrooge with Jason and uh, Tony. I'm really stoked and excited about this and hope that you'll come check it out. But beyond the holiday episode coming out this week, 
I'm not quite ready to announce the details and the specifics, but you should keep your eyes and ears open for some news about a New Year's special that will serve as your last new content for 2023 and potentially your first new content of 2024, hint hint. And if you've been crying a river of slime over not yet finding yourself some Ghostbusters Frozen Empire promotional merch and posters, well, there might just be something in the works to turn your slime frown upside down while benefiting a good charitable cause. So keep your social media tuned to Extraplasm's accounts on social on Instagram, on X, although probably not there so much because I don't post there as much lately, on Facebook, etc. Because there's going to be some announcements coming over the next week. And of course, you can tune into the holiday special this week for more info as well. Okay, so uh, with our preamble and our housekeeping out of the way, let's dig into some Ghostbusters headlines. Still making headlines all across the country, the Ghostbusters are at it again. Today, the entire eastern seaboard is alive with talk of incidents of paranormal activity. Fall in topic today, ghosts and ghostbusting. Extra plasm, read all about it. Ghostbusters headlines coming at you. So last week's big news was the reveal that Slimer would be back in Ghostbusters Frozen Empire, something I'm still so thrilled about because we haven't seen the ugly little spud on the big screen in a really long time. But the big Ghostbusters Frozen Empire news of this week is more about the Ghostbusters themselves rather than reveals of ghosts. And it starts with Dan Aykroyd's appearance on the Fly on the Wall podcast with David Spade and Dana Carvey. Uh, This was an episode that was recorded back in the first week of November, about 10 days before Dana Carvey's son unfortunately passed an active recording of that podcast went on hiatus, but it was also the first day the SAG strike had ended, giving Dan Aykroyd the excited opportunity to talk about the movie for the first time in the many, many, many weeks since the strike had begun. He hadn't been able to really talk to the press about this since June uh, when the strike began. And if you think about that, like Dan Aykroyd talks about Ghostbusters even when he's ordering a sandwich. So uh, it was probably kind of surprising that he didn't, you know, that he managed to get through the entire part, you know, part of the strike without violating that edict. Um, So go him. But upon finding out that the strike was over in the midst of recording this podcast, he became overly exuberant and excited about it and said that they are ready to go in March with a spectacular new release. He said it's a great new story, and it's going to be hot and really fun and scary for a whole new generation, commenting that they were quote-unquote handing it to the kids. When he was asked about his character in the upcoming film, Aykroyd commented to Carvey and Spade that, I do the enthusiastic, wants to believe everything, but a little kind of resentful that things have passed him by Ghostbuster in this one, because he's no longer licensed. And while he was a bit more coy about the plot, he indicated that, quote unquote, an entity is found in a psychometrically charged object. Now, I find this all really interesting, and it made me start to consider where Ray is at versus where all the other Ghostbusters wound up. If he's walking around with some resentment uh, as we begin this movie, there may be some reasons why. Consider that the way that all the other Ghostbusters wound up were arguably in better circumstances than Ray. Well, except maybe Egon because he passed away. Uh, But think about Peter, Um, you know, Peter gets the girl and ends up with a new career uh, where he gets to be a professor and live upstate New York. Obviously, Winston becomes a billionaire. And although Egon passes away, he saves the world and reunites with his family and sort of gets them back and kind of brings a family that has been damaged together. Uh, And so all of those folks have experienced some growth, whereas Ray has not. He's been a guy who's been running a pretty much destitute bookstore that only exists because Winston has been helping to keep it running. And other than that, he's been a lonely soul, kind of been a consistently financially destitute situation with an esoteric and infrequent clientele at best. Uh, So 
I'm really wondering where Ray is at, um, where he's coming from. And I want to hear more about this because hearing that he has some resentment in the new movie kind of tracks from how we saw him in the last one. Uh, in Afterlife, he was similarly warning Phoebe that there's a lot of mountains out there with a lot of carvings and not to go chasing ghosts. So perhaps we will figure out that Ray has been suffering a bit all these years, and maybe that suffering will be instrumental to the character dynamics in the new film. Personally, I'm really excited to hear some of the complexity in the characters we've known and loved for 40 years, and to hear a bit about what's gone on with them in the time since we saw them. It was great to see those characters pop up in Afterlife, but we really didn't get to hear that much about where they've been or what they've been up to, so I hope we get a bit of that in this movie as much as they're going to hand off you know, ghostbusting, presumably to a new generation of uh, ghostbusters. And then on Monday of this week, uh, after the comments came out from Dan Aykroyd on this podcast, Empire Magazine ran a feature article with an exclusive still shot of Bill Murray and Paul Rudd standing next to the containment unit and bundled in winter clothing with what appears to be a hole in the brick wall that surrounds the trap aperture uh, from the containment unit. And Empire writer Ben Travis had an opportunity to speak with Gil Kennan, who offered some comments on the story and the transition from Afterlife to Frozen Empire. Kennan commented, quote, Because the Spangler family drove the narrative in Afterlife, bringing Gozer back to center stage was a natural way to close the book on the past. But we are now in the post-Gozerian era of the Ghostbusters saga, so that means we're able to stretch out and create an entirely new mythology. And that's thrilling as a storyteller because there are all new and terrifying stakes with fresh visual references to draw on. Uh, and I really love this sort of explanation that like we are moving on from the Gozerian era. Now, for anybody who is concerned about whether or not this next Ghostbusters movie will somehow rehash things you've heard before or potentially that Vigo is going to show up in the movie because you saw slime blowers uh, in an influencer's footage. I think that statement uh, from Gil Kennan should really give you some confidence that you're going to see some new stuff if the trailer didn't do that for you already. Um, it seems like they are eager to move on from the kind of bridging that was necessary to wrap up the narrative stories that we know and to bring back our characters from, you know, 35, 40 years ago, and to now get into some new stories and some new ghosts, some new things that are going to happen with some new faces. And I have to say, like, I'm really excited about this. It's really cool to have some fresh and interesting new things that are going to happen uh, in a Ghostbusters movie, as opposed to potentially seeing the same things we've seen before or deviations from them. I've said in the past that the last movie, Afterlife, is fantastic and I love it, but it is absolutely a love letter to the fans that's full of Easter eggs and things that are supposed to get us to go, wow, there it is, it's back, it's the orange thing, or whatever it is that kind of got shown to you to get you to connect with that film and see the connective tissue between it and the thing you loved younger in your younger years. Uh, but this is an opportunity for them to create and tell new stories, and I'm really eager to see what they're going to come up with. Commenting further on his directing experience, uh, working with Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, and Ernie Hudson, as well as the returning cast of Ghostbusters Afterlife, Gil Kennan further, further added, I remember there was a moment halfway through the first morning of directing one of the big screens where I looked at the monitor and just caught myself with the biggest grin ever. Finally, it dawned on me that I was calling action and cut on some of my very favorite characters in movies, working on a big cinematic scale on something that I really cared about. I try to hold on to that feeling. I still have it now, finishing the film. I can't wait for March of 2024 so we can get a look at what Gil Kennan has in store for us as a storyteller in the Ghostbusters narrative universe. And I'm additionally thrilled that the cast can now be out talking more about the movie and helping to market it after a tense period where nobody could talk about any movie. Uh, 2024 is going to be a great time 
to be a Ghostbusters fan, and I'm so excited for Ghostbusters Frozen Empire. And the sort of lead up to Frozen Empire, of course, is going to include comic books, which we've talked about in the past. So it kind of makes sense for us to talk about some comics news for a few moments. Uh, The cover art and synopsis for issue two of Ghostbusters Back in Town has been released by Dark Horse Comics and is now available to take a look at. That cover art is easily found over on Ghostbusters News if you want to take a look at it and features the Spengler family gearing up in flight suits with a giant ghostly looking bird thing that almost resembles a pterodactyl in the background. Could the Ghostbusters be fighting the ghosts of dead dinosaurs? Probably not, but maybe. It's an idea that at one point almost made it in Ghostbusters 2016, so who knows. Uh, But the plot synopsis for the issue states that big city life proves a challenging adjustment for the Spengler family. Something sinister swoops around Central Park, but the family's focus is split between the personal and the professional. New clues point toward the true cause of the city's recent ghost epidemic, and one family member is following the trail with a dedication that may end in trouble. Now, we've discussed previously that the first issue of Ghostbusters Back in Town will be dropping on March 27th, of 2024. And you can, of course, go and talk to your local comic book store about pre-ordering that. You can also then expect to see issue two at your local comic book store on April 24th. Uh, And so you'll be getting a book a month, it seems, and there's going to be four books in the series. So figure if it's going to start in March, it'll end in July. Uh, And again, I think that this is going to be a story that is not necessarily uh, directly tied into the new movie, given that it's going to be coming out a big portion of it after the new movie releases but one that will take place between uh, our time in Somerville and the time now returning to the firehouse. uh, That'll be kind of an ancillary tale uh, that you can get into and read and then know a little bit more about your characters. Or if you don't get a chance to look at it before you get to watch that movie, especially because about three, you know, three quarters of it won't be out yet. You'll still be able to enjoy the movie without the knowledge of the comic book. So I'm really stoked to see what happens with this, especially because I really want Dark Horse to engage in like a lot of comic books. So I hope that this does really well and that we all as fans go out and support it, help to make it succeed. Beyond Ghostbusters Frozen Empire news from this week, there was a pretty big reveal in the category of officially licensed merchandise with Hasbro and Ghost Corps revealing or rather confirming a reveal that they may not have been planning to show us yet, but nevertheless, let us know is happening. If you're one of the many adults out there who once mourned the passing of Fright Features Egon Spengler's necktie, or your Winston, who went permanently slack-jawed, or your Peter, whose eyes just stopped bugging out, the good news is that Emily Bader, global brand manager for Hasbro, has confirmed that we are indeed going to see a release of Kenner Classics Fright Features figures at some point in 2024. When is not yet clear, but probably, from my estimation at least, I'm going to speculate sometime in Q1. And why would I make a speculation about these figures showing up in the first quarter? Well, What prompted Emily to go out and make a social media post confirming that these products are authentic is that an eBay seller in Taiwan began making listings for individual figures and sets of figures using not product in hand, but digital marketing assets that appear to have been provided to wholesalers and retailers for setting up online listings for next year. All of these materials bear 2024 trademark dates, including short videos of renderings of the figures that are sort of like 3D wraparound rotating you know, little features to show you what the figure looks like from all sides. Uh, and the eBay sellers listings are essentially what caused the viral response on social media, somewhat forcing Hasbro's hand to either confirm, deny, or play ignorant to the whole situation. And to be honest, I thought they might just take that last action, but I'm glad they didn't. 
Um, but the reality is that the eBay seller is estimating a delivery sometime in February or March of these figures. Uh, so whether that is because they know those figures are coming out then, who knows, but they were at least trying to give themselves three three months of lead time to get the stuff to whoever is going to buy it at a significant markup. And if you're thinking about it, don't don't go support somebody who's like leaking stuff and wants to charge forty nine ninety five a figure uh, for something that you'll probably find at retail for, you know, under 10 bucks, just like the last set of fright features we had or rather uh, Kenner classics we had. But uh, one thing that's kind of interesting to think about is that, you know, all of us uh, probably know somebody who has an Egon that's broken and who, you know, love the fright features figures. In my opinion, they're arguably the best toys in the line as they really began to open up play possibilities and eventually the continued development of action figures like backpack heroes and such. And that's what made the toy line so fun to interact with. Uh, so, you know, I think we'll probably see these at some point in Q1. If you want to see what the, uh, you know, renderings look like, you can, of course, go and find, you know, those eBay listings. Um, but I think that one other thing we might consider here and that I'm hopeful about is that these may not be exclusives to a retailer this time around. The last time we did Kenner Classics, they were initially exclusives with Walmart, and lots of us were unhappy about that because we had bad experiences with Walmart as usual in buying action figures. But eventually, those Kenner Classics began being released at Entertainment Earth, and they were available to local toy stores as a result and other outlets. And for me, for like at least my take, I'm looking at the fact that a retailer in Taiwan who sells toys has access to digital marketing materials for some reason. To me, that smacks of an idea that you would need those materials to set up listings, etc. Now, granted, there may not be Walmart in Taiwan, but I don't really know how big the Ghostbusters fandom is in Taiwan either. Uh, so seeing these assets out there in the hands of somebody other than a big box chain store excites me because it makes me hopeful that these are going to be products that you'll be able to access at Entertainment Earth, at GameStop, at different retailers who are inside of a distribution chain for Hasbro toys, as opposed to exclusive to one big box retailer with a bad record. Uh, so I'm going to keep my fingers crossed about that. I'll ask you to do the same so we can all have a better experience than trying to hunt these down inside of Walmarts. And one final thing to know about with respect to these figures is that the package designer and artist Harry Moore has revealed his recreation artwork for the packaging of these fright features uh, on his social media accounts. You can find all of those awesome images over on his Instagram at Harry Moore Design, where Moore is spelled M-O-O-R-E, and it's all one word. Or if you can't remember that, just simply hop over to Ghostbusters News because Jason has some excellent coverage of this. Um, but I have to say, like, I was excited when we got the real Ghostbusters figures and I was like, that's great. But I have wanted Fright Features since we saw them and since they had a giant Fright Features Ray card at FanFest that you could stand in front of and take photos with. So... Um, you know, we'll keep you posted on what we find out as we get closer to potential figure release and as information becomes available in 2024. And if you know me and my ability and desire to track down action figures and tell everybody about it, you'll want to stick around and tune in next year uh, to look for those details because I'm going to make sure you get them. In other officially licensed toy and collectible news, Star Ace has opened pre-orders on their third licensed vinyl figure, Zool, now being made available on their website. Uh, described as a one eighth scale figure, the standard version is going to set you back $118.99 uh, in US dollars, while the deluxe edition will set you back $158.99 and features glowing eyes and a display base that the standard version does not have. Uh, these figures are somewhat posable with the head and front limbs rotating. 
And if you're wondering how they look or want to pre-order, you can, of course, head over to store.starace.com.hk to take a look. Uh, for my part, this is a nice looking figure, but I can't get over the fact that I feel like I'm looking at something that looks very akin to the NECA Zool and Vince Clortho figures, albeit with some fresher paint apps and vinyl materials as opposed to hard plastic. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, especially if you missed out on those figures and you've been trying to chase them down like new in the box for 20 years, um, which at this point, the batteries inside of them are slowly decomposing and destroying the light up feature that activates by pushing the tail. Uh, so if you're the kind of person who's been tracking down those figures for a long time, this might be an option for you that may be more exciting, although potentially uh, maybe a little more costly given what those trade for on eBay. But I digress. Uh, I'm eager to see this in person at some point, though, to make a more informed opinion about it. Um, I, it's hard to rate an action figure um, or collectible when you haven't seen it. and You can only see renderings. Uh, and I get wary about that. That being said, I just saw those Kenner Classics figures and I'm like, they're going to be amazing. So, you know, take what I say with a grain of salt, I guess. Who knows? Uh, but like I said, I'm he hopeful to see these in person and to make a better informed decision about them. Uh, but they do seem like they'll be a nice addition to the offerings that Star Ace has out there. And if you head over to their website, they even have a few bundles to save you money on Zool and another figure at the same time. So if you haven't picked up their Slimer figure yet, for instance, you can pick it up alongside this. And I think you save about $40 in the process. So um, you, again, you can check these out at store.starace.com.hk if you're interested in the Zool figure or any of the offerings that Star Ace has coming out. Our last piece of officially licensed merch news is about Sony Wonderverse the new entertainment complex that Sony has opened in Chicago and where our friends Greg Hilliard, the Ectotech, and the Ecto-1NJ, owned by Nick Ferreira, have been out and about helping to promote the opening in the last week. Uh, so there's a soft opening going on right now where Wonderverse is not quite up and running on all of its food and drink yet, but the location is up and running. You can do all the uh, interactive stuff that's going on there, and they're essentially prepping for a grand opening by having people come in and check it out if you're not familiar with what a soft opening is. Uh, but um, this means that some folks have had the opportunity to go inside of Wonderverse to take photos and videos and to get, get a look at what it's going to offer, including the Ghost Trap Bar. And Ghostbusters News has great coverage of this that you can check out. Uh, social media user Liver Stealer submitted photos to Ghostbusters News of exclusive products, including T-shirt designs uh, that have the Sedgwick Hotel design, the Slimer design a Slimer Ice Pop design, some long sleeve options and more. And you can go take a look at those over on Ghostbusters News to kind of see photos of those rather than me describing the uh, the appearance of a series of different t-shirts. Uh, and Jason's coverage based on the photos also provides some insights about the drinks currently on the menu at the Ghost Trap Bar. So uh, some of the things that are available now are things like the Stay Puff Sour, um, but there's going to be some new drinks that are coming out like the Mood Slime, which is a drink featuring tequila, lime, cranberry and strawberry champagne foam, which I find fascinating. But there's like a strawberry foam tequila drink that is going to be kind of like slime and some Slimer Jello shots. And there's a whole bunch of other like Sony property themed stuff like there's a wax on wax off cocktail because, of course, uh, Sony owns Cobra Kai. So it's going to be an exciting place to go hang out. I think check out Ghostbusters news to see more of the gallery of photos. And just so we're clear, I want to go to there. Our last piece of merch news this week is of the unlicensed variety. Our friends over at Phantasm Toys have begun teasing their next class 10 figure release. And after several sightings at cons and in the background of Tony Taylor's workspace, when he records extraplasm and then holds up figures at me to distract me that you all don't necessarily know about, um, he's, they have now revealed, uh, what he and Brendan Pierce have been working on 
for their next figure. And it's a figure they've affectionately named Viggy. That's right. If you've ever wished you had a figure of the deformed head of a certain Carpathian uh, that, you know, floats above an altar, your wishes are about to be fulfilled. Uh, Tony and Brendan are putting out two different sizes of the Viggy figure. The Class 10 version will be a three-inch tall, possessed pink slime-hued Vigo head on a stand that looks like a Carpathian altar and will fit alongside five and six-inch figures right in the scale, while the XL edition will stand at 11 inches total with a six-inch head and an accompanying altar. Pre-orders for these figures, which will be the first of 2024 for Phantasm Toys, will go live at midnight on New Year's Eve. I may have to ask Tony about this because I thought doing things all together with positive energy was supposed to make, you know, this head disappear. But it seems in this case that Phantasm is going to make things manifest based off of our, off our positive energy. So uh, if you're interested in this, go over to Phantasm Toys, F-A-N-T-A-Z-M, in case you've never done that before, and take a look at their Instagram account where they've got good renderings of what they're going to be putting out there. Uh, I believe that they've got their prototypes photographed and stuff. So you get a really good look at what Tony and Brendan are releasing at the very beginning of the new year and the end of this one. And lastly, uh, if you've not seen it, now, although I did say that was the last piece of merch news, so I guess I kind of lied, but I want you to go take a look at this and support it if it's in, you're into it because I think it's really cool. Uh, head over to Ghostbusters News and take a look at the artwork from our friend Chris Sorrentino, a.k.a. Pizza Plasm, whose real Ghostbusters series, R-E-E-L, uh, reimagines the cartoon characters from the real Ghostbusters cartoon in the movie scenes. And this time around, his project has yielded a Christmas card styled image that rivals his existing Ecto-1 with Christmas tree on top that you've likely seen in the promotions for the New York Ghostbusters toy drive effort in the last few weeks. Uh, Chris has put out an image that replicates the Santa hat scene from Ghostbusters 2, but features the real Ghostbusters characters. And it's all in a background that is the spitting image of a Topps trading card. So uh, this is a really cool piece and it's really affordable. You can grab an 8x10 from Chris for only 12 bucks at his web store, which is chrisjsorrentino.com. Or if that's too hard to figure out, go over to Ghostbusters News, click the link in Jason's coverage, and it'll take you over to the web store. But I have to say, like, this is a piece you can get and you could frame. And then one of the things you could just like put away uh, for the holiday season. And then when it's like, or rather when the holiday season's over and then when the holiday season starts up next year, you can take it back out and hang it up. And if your significant other goes, why are you hanging Ghostbusters art around the house? You can say, that's not Ghostbusters art. It's Christmas decor. Come at me, bro. Um, but I think this is really great. I love Chris's work and he's a fantastic person to chat with who's been on Extra Plasma in the past. You can find his episode in the back catalog. But go ahead and take a look at his artwork over at chrisjsarantino.com. Okay, so that pretty much wraps up our headlines for this week. So let's go now to my conversation with Tom Henry as we get into a bit of the story of his trip to go see McKenna Grace and get hundreds of autographs signed, as well as chat a bit about the autograph trade in general. Joining me on Extraplasm Podcast for the first time since we celebrated episode 46 and the afterlife commentary, good friend of the show and good friend of me, and I think of Ghostbusters fans in general, Tom Henry joins us on the podcast. How are you, Tom? I'm quite well. How are you, Jim? I'm outstanding. Um, I'm glad to be talking with you. I know that you just came back from uh, doing your autograph signing for uh, the containment unit autograph collecting group that we have been talking about on the podcast for a while uh, and that you were off visiting with McKenna Grace at Steel City Con. So 
Um, I think we'll probably have a bunch to talk about with respect to that, but I'm also just glad to see you and to kind of, you know, touch base and see how you are. So it's good to have you back on the podcast. It's good to be back. I was uh, quite sick for most of November, so I was kind of uh, in a vacuum with all the trailer stuff and I, I didn't get to experience a lot of it. So it's good to be back. Yeah, I think that you and I appeared on uh, the Yes Have Some show together like the day after the trailer came out or a couple days after. And you were kind of like in the preamble before we started like going live. You were like, I'm doing this because I love you, even though I'm sick. <laughs> Which yeah. I don't think you came across as sick on that. Nobody mentioned it. But there was a lot yeah. of cough syrup uh, involved in that <laughs> that show. Oh, is that why your analysis was so good? Yeah, I think so. I think I think the Robitussin, that Tussin uh, opened me up to some real great insights. Yeah, it was like, wow, this is some pretty spacey stuff over here with this trailer. I can't wait for this movie. No, it was good. It was a fun time. And if you haven't heard that, uh, you can actually go back and take a look at that, folks, because uh, it's still up on the Yes Have Some YouTube channel. Uh, the episode that you and me and uh, who else was there? John, your right? Was was there for that? Yeah. Matt was uh, there with us. too. Yeah. Yep. So that's right. Matt was there with us. I remember this. I was there. I promise. Uh, <laughs> but I'm glad you're back. I want to talk with you for sure about McKenna Grace and stuff. But I'm also glad that you're here because like this is the last regular episode of Extraplasm we're going to do for the year. So you got to be like, you know, there's a there's a holiday special coming. Um, oh. that is going to be ha coming after this episode that I teased last week, but you get to be like, I'm the last official guest of the year for the solo interview show and stake your flag there on that. So be proud. <laughs> well, I'm glad you picked the best for last, Jim. Oh, yes, that's that's clear. I think mm -hmm. I really appreciated that you were in the containment unit autograph collecting group. You got, you know, back from your trip. And you began immediately getting conversation, like messages from people who were like, well, tell me about my stuff. Do you have my stuff? Yeah. And you very politely posted a message. It was like, hey, um, oh. yep, we just got back. Uh, don't really need to hear from everybody all at once. And I just yeah. kind of commented and said, why don't you tell them the truth? It's just that, you know, you want to come and podcast with me, which is why you're not doing anybody's orders now and nobody's mailing <laughs> anything. So, yeah. That, that actually wasn't me. Uh, that was Matt that posted it because I was getting, I was in line trying to get into the convention center <laughs> on Saturday and I got messages and mine, my post would have been a lot less friendly. So I, I was like, Matt, you got to talk <laughs> me down here, bud. Yeah, I admit I'm not always sure which of you posts when it is the containment unit posting, but in that moment I had presumed it was you, but yeah, either way, um, I'm glad you're here and we definitely are going to talk about your signing and how that went. Um, but beyond that, now that you're feeling better, hopefully, um, things are going well. Yeah. Yeah. We're, things are good, man. I mean, we uh, McKenna was our probably biggest signing ever. Uh, so coming off of that and, you know, it's December, we're getting really close to Christmas, which means we're getting really close to 2024, which is the 40th anniversary of Ghostbusters yeah. and the 35th anniversary of part two. So, you know, uh, Matt and I generally take off December. Because we just. were burned out <laughs> by this point <laughs> in the year, but, you know, now January is coming around and 40th anniversary is kind of a really uh important time for a movie yeah uh, especially for fan celebration and opportunities so you know uh the future is bright we're hoping that uh, next year will bring some really awesome things but we shall see yeah i i'm excited about the potentiality of the things that are going to happen next year and um you know a movie's coming obviously hopefully there'll be more con uh appearances from folks before we get to uh the new movie or even afterwards so that way people can pick up 
signatures with merchandise and things from the new movie. Um, but you know, beyond that, I think it's just going to be a really fun year of celebrating 40 years of Ghostbusters. Well, you said that this was probably the biggest signing that you've had. So do you want to kind of disclose how many things did you have to take with you all the way across the country from where you're located on the West Coast out to uh, Pennsylvania to Steel City Con? Hundreds. 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 Hundreds of items, not 100. Hundreds. Hundreds. Lots of them. Yeah. Yes, it was. it's a lot of items. Uh, I mean, mostly, I mean, I found that our customer base is, is very much in the 8x10 photo world. Uh, so mm-hmm. we offer tons and tons of options for that. You know, there's other stuff as well, but primarily that and ooh, just lots. And it was uh, it's t- it was close with Finn. Uh, Finn was a big one too. Uh, Logan as well. It's the new cast, you know, having primary right. cast members. Uh, you know, I'm sure if we were able to get someone like, uh, you know, Dan Aykroyd or Sigourney Weaver or something, it would be similar. Right. Uh, but they always bring the heat when you got those principal casts. So I will ask you this because it was intriguing to me given how many things that McKenna Grace has been in, right? Like I was thinking about her line and everyone I know was in her line getting Ghostbusters stuff signed. But I had to imagine that like there were other people who just were like, wow, I like McKenna Grace. I want her to sign something from, I don't know, The Handmaid's Tale or something else. Like, like, was there anything that you ended up having to bring that wasn't Ghostbusters related that surprised you? (laughs) The only non Ghostbusters related item that I brought was a baseball okay. for her to sign. But uh, there's some folks, uh, Teddy and AJ, shout out uh, to AT consignments on Facebook. But uh, they partner with us on some of the bigger signings. And uh, they had for McKenna a Haunting of Hill House piece from Netflix, the Mike Flanagan okay. show. Yeah. And uh, it, it had a ton of autographs on it. It was awesome. Everybody had written a quote and like this, it was like a yellow paint. I don't know. That was awesome. Not mine, but oh, that was cool. That was yeah. pretty much the only though. I expected kind of like more Captain Marvel or, uh, you know, some of the horror stuff. Right. Didn't really see any of it. It was all Ghostbusters. Yeah. I was intrigued because I was like, I wonder if there's, you know, alongside the number of Ghostbusters fans who I know who went and did photo ops and things. Were there like young Sheldon fans <laughs> who were just like standing in line to like, we love that show. Let's go see the girl from young Sheldon. Um, but. Yeah, I don't know. I was just I kind of I think it was kind of weird because I like watching it from afar. It was so deeply I because of my lens. It seemed mm-hmm. like the reason she was at the con was Ghostbusters. <laughs> it is, uh, but it came up during the signing. I don't remember how it came up, but they mentioned I, I think maybe her mother mentioned it. But uh, when they were in the UK, they got recognized a lot because of young Sheldon, not because of Ghostbusters. Everybody's like, oh, right. my God, you're on young Sheldon. And I guess one of her friends was with them at one point, who's also on the show, Young Sheldon. And uh, that, that's all they got recognized for. So that, that show's huge. So it would not shock me if there was a ton of Young Sheldon items, just not maybe in my hands. Because I, I did see designated Survivor stuff, because Kiefer Sutherland yeah. was also at the show. And that dude, he's awesome, by the way. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> So I did see some of that. And I think we had one of those, too, that she signed. But not, not for mine. Anyway, right. But. So tell me a bit more about the signing, because like I want to know a little bit about like how this goes down. Like you are there and you've got hundreds of items that you've had to meticulously package Mm -hmm. and prepare for bringing across the country on a plane. Right. Like you're not shipping most of this stuff or any of this stuff to the location. Right. Mm -mm. So um, my always I always have this question for you because it always intrigues me. Did you bring anything particularly weird? 
<laughs> Did anybody send in anything weird that you want to talk about? Anything weird. Uh, or impressive. No, I mean, it doesn't have to be weird. I always want I always want there to be something weird when I ask you this question. I always watch you yeah. be like, someone sent in a sneaker. Like just <laughs> I mean, I've gotten some weird stuff for other signings that are coming up. Uh as for McKenna though, you know, I think if TSA were to like search my bag, the proton pack pack parts that we get are probably things that are going to uh raise a red flag. Because we get a bunch of those. Uh there's usually toys and and uh always an ecto one. You know, which is my least favorite thing just because they're awkward. But right. Uh, you know, it's pretty much standard what you'd expect. Lots of toys this time out, though. So you have just like checked baggage that's just <laughs> <laughs> action yeah, figures and carry on and, and Yeah, I, I have a I have a really nice hard case suitcase. So everything's packed, you know, in there uh, very tightly and nothing moves around. You know, we wanted to get there safe. And yeah, uh, that's that's key. Right. And everything I can take with me on the plane, like in, on my person, I do. Uh, but, you know, some of the bigger items, that's just not possible. Yeah. Like you can't carry all those Ecto ones. No, but they always <laughs> look at me weird when I get on a plane because I carry a, a tube with all the posters uh, and it's got a strap. Right. So I right. always have this tube. You ever see me at a convention or a signing? I have this tube on. And a lot of planes, they have a, a coat closet at the front up by the cockpit, which it's usually for the flight attendants and stuff. but they can put a poster tube in there. So right. the first thing I do, they're like, oh, thank you for flying. And I'm like, do you have the coat closet? And they're like, you know, they look at me like, oh, what's going on? Because that's <laughs> the best place for that tube to right. go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's and funny. like, what's in it? And, and it's like half the time I'm like, oh, blueprints, because I'm an architect. And then the other half, I'm like, it's Ghostbusters posters. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> My name is Art Van Delay. I'm an architect. <laughs> I think that that attention to detail of like having to ship all the stuff and giving even thought to how you can find a place on the plane is one, a testament to your experience <laughs> that you like, Hey, I've been on a plane before and I know you have a coat closet. Don't tell me you don't. Uh, but two, yeah. like uh, there's a lot of creativity that I imagine has to go into figuring out how to package everything securely and, you know, not just securely for you, but also knowing that those TS the TSA might open up the stuff and luggage and you don't want it to get damaged. So, um, yeah, I would be nerve wracked is my point. I, I don't know how you do yeah. it because I would lose my mind. Well, I mean, one of the things that I found early on, uh, you know, people who do signings, I, I, I don't think I think probably a lot of your audience that that has any interest in signings is probably in our group. But yeah, I never know, because like I have a whole other like side of the hobby that's not Ghostbusters related. I'm, I'm in the just regular autograph hobby. And so I do a lot of stuff over there, too. And, uh, you know, Funko Pops are re really, really popular to get signed. And I know they're popular just culturally. Everybody has their little Funko Pops. But what's interesting is people, you know, when they come in for a signing, they get broken down. And I've seen people right. complain about this before, but it's like if you've ever held a Funko Pop, the boxes are made of, you know, barely better than tissue paper. You yep. know, imagine trying to put that in a suitcase or get that in a plane and get it back and forth in one piece, you know, right. and what what's nerve wracking for me always and <clears throat> is what could happen after it's signed because once before it's signed it's just the item and the item is worth ten dollars right. or fifteen dollars but then when you put the autograph on it right you know, that's when the value increases significantly so you know people complaining about oh the funko pops are are folded that's to protect the item you know it's, <laughs> right. it's to get it there safe so that it doesn't get destroyed on the way back or the way there you know it's like we have to do some of that stuff sometimes yeah you know just to make sure we can keep everything in good shape. Yeah. I mean, it's like there's, and it's also a matter of just 
I mean, I think about shipping Funko Pops. That's a thing I did at one point in my life when I was helping somebody sell off a Funko collection. And when you have to ship those out, if they rattle around, like if they somehow the plastic container for them gets damaged or crushed or anything, the box just it just the corners dent in. They're like paper that just kind of crumble. Like, and so you're way better off take leaving the figure at home and just mm-hmm. being like, hey, I'm going to flat pack the box. Let somebody sign the box flat packed, take the box home and then pop back up and put the stuff <laughs> in it. And boom, like you don't have any problem. And that means your figure doesn't have to get damaged. And it like lowers the weight of what you have to move around because there's a big difference between carrying, you know, 10 or 15 flat packed paper boxes versus 10 or 15 <laughs> figures that each oh, weigh yeah. 12 ounces. Like, <laughs> so yeah, um, I, I can I could see why that would be a nerve wracking thing, though, once you're done, because if anything does go wrong with them, how do you replace them? You know, um, hmm. so. Yeah. yeah. So at that point, do you just like handcuff all the bags to yourself? And <laughs> yeah, it's like a, it's like one of those diplomatic pouches. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm I'm in the 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 stow area with all the luggage handcuffed to my suitcase and I'm riding it like they, like the guy rode the missile in, in, uh, or sorry, the bomb in, uh, Dr. Strange love yeah. just waiting, uh, to get back on the ground at SeaTac. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad your trip went really well though. And everything came off without a hitch, you know, I and mean, for the most part, I don't think you had any big hiccups. You can, of course we can no. talk about them if you did, but I don't think you did. No, no, it but. wasn't big hiccups. It's, um, you know, the, the part that was, it's always hard is East coast, you know, I'm on the West coast. And so traveling across the country and, uh, <laughs> it's not, it's not, a, <laughs> it's not a casual time, you know, when you're on the ground right. doing the stuff, there's a lot of, uh, hustle and bustle. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's a significant amount of hustle, right? Yeah. And, and it's the holiday season too. So <laughs> lots of, lots of hustling around. Well, let's get into talk, you know, talking a bit about, your time with McKenna Grace, because, oh, sure. you know, you didn't like show up at the con with a shopping cart full of items and go stand no. in the line and be like, hi, no. I brought all of this for you to sign. I mean, you had time <laughs> <laughs> like with her to interact and kind of get through this yeah. over the course of several hours. Right. So, yes, um, I know people that do that. I do that. I've done that. Yeah, I I didn't bring a wheelbarrow or anything like that. Uh, that's called a con consignment, like a convention assignment. Yeah. consignment sorry uh there are people that do that and they're the bane of any convention goer because they've got i don't know 20 30 items and they hold up a line but <laughs> i've done that in the past we don't do that at the containment unit we we considered doing that once for mckenna because it didn't sound like a bolt signing was possible um so we were going to do that one time just because we love our community we had an opportunity uh to have stuff signed by mckenna uh at it just took place at the con because you know they're there we didn't go through a line. We had a green room, uh, which is a private space just for us. What was kind of weird about this one, Jim, is we, we had time. So we went in and set everything up beforehand. So basically gotcha. when McKenna got there, she was just ready to go, you know, sit down and start signing, essentially. Uh, but the green room was attached to the con in a way. So other people came through the green room. And so gotcha. we were just setting up like when I walked into the room, Skeet Ulrich was sitting there from Scream. <laughs> he was just sitting there in a chair. And like, I'm setting up all this stuff and like, he's just doing his thing. I'm doing my thing. And he's just like kind of watching me. And I said, you want to sign some Ghostbusters stuff? <laughs> and he's like, only for that Ghostbusters money. Uh, but it was just like, like moments like that. Uh, like before McKenna even arrived, uh, I had this moment that really kind of made the weekend for me. I was 
sitting there setting up stuff and Peter Billingsley, Ralphie from A Christmas Story, <laughs> walks through and makes direct eye contact with me. And I'm like, hey, how are you? And he looks at me and he's completely genuine. He goes, I'm great. How are you? And, and like, <laughs> little Ralphie, like, you'll shoot your eye out guy. It's so bizarre. <laughs> but it was nice. It was a nice, chill environment. So just see, I would be terrible. I would be terrible in that context because he would be like, hey, I'm great. How are you? And I would reply and I'm like, I'm great. I drank my Ovaltine this morning. Mm. <laughs> and then he you would know, just be like, I regret this interaction. Yeah. I, I don't want to. I don't want to say anything negative about anybody at all. I just just noticed from observations of photo ops that I saw and just lots of photos throughout the weekend. He didn't seem like he wanted to be there, but no. my interaction with him was great. I don't know. Celebrity oh. can be hard, I think. Yeah, I imagine. Be tough. You know, and I don't know yes. how many cons like I don't know how often he does cons. So it'd be a good question. Not much. But, you know, so may not be his favorite thing. Who knows? And 40 years later, people are probably still, you know, shouting at him on the street. Don't shoot your eye out, which <laughs> probably gets tiresome. Hey, I'll say this, though. It's probably a little better than having somebody repeatedly scream out for 40 years. This man has no dick. <laughs> We we gave him we gave him a don't be a peck button during our signing. And and the look on his face was was pure. He was purely mortified at first. (laughs) And then I was like, no, no, it's a term of endearment. I promise you, like the Ghostbusters fans don't actually hate you. Like we don't. Right. No, not at all. We're quite fond of you. (laughs) Shout out to William Atherton, who obviously listens to the podcast every week. He's one of the biggest fans he writes in all the time he tells us <laughs> about how much he loves the show <laughs> but but to be real if you're gonna have something shouted at you for 40 years there's yeah. you'll shoot your eye out a care a cause of concern for your safety is potentially not as bad as you know other options mm-hmm. i'm just saying putting that out there uh but so you are in the green room for yeah. like setting up for how long do you think you were there before they came in Oh, I mean, we got everything set up. It, it was it actually it was one of the most. Uh, well, organized, like uses of time, I guess, that we've had, like it really worked out very well. It was uh, McKenna and her, her mom and little gizmo McKenna's dog. We got yeah. to hang out with and and bond with. Uh, I love that little critter. He was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, they just they just came down uh, when they had the time and uh, we had to split it over a couple uh there's a break in between because of photo ops so you know we had some time to just sit there and collect ourselves uh mid signing which was nice it was you don't usually have time you yeah. know usually it's like hey here you've got 90 minutes make it work or or whatnot and uh you know Rick and uh his team were uh, Rick's the manager uh really great about giving us time because we had a lot and um you know McKenna is I've said this to you I think probably but McKenna's probably a bigger Ghostbusters fan than either of us yeah, that was to the in show. fact the first thing that you messaged me yeah. after you did the signing. You were like, "We're done," and I think that she's a bigger fan of Ghostbusters yeah. than any of us are. Yeah. I was like, "We're so lucky to have her." Yeah, like, she, she genuinely loved seeing all kinds of different items, and you know, she was excited about. Um, you know, there's a few items that we have done that maybe Logan did something unique on or Finn and and she would always notice and then do her own thing to match it. 
and then nice. take a photo and send it to the person and be like, ha Logan, I signed over. I, she wrote like a mustache on Logan on one piece. And uh, <laughs> she took a photo and immediately sent it to Logan. And it's like she was just having fun. And, you know, it was like I said, it was a marathon. It was a long signing and there were a lot of items. And, you know, I don't think it's any secret that she had back surgery earlier this year. Right. Yeah. And and it was painful for her. But but it didn't it didn't impact her. Um, her excitement or her energy you know she was just the first item she saw and the last item she saw like when we got to the last stack she was like we had a time crunch at that point by the time we right. got to the end we had a time crunch because it was taking it just took that long and she was like i'm getting through this and it was like rocky like you could have played the rocky soundtrack in the background <laughs> and it was her just like i'm doing it and, and get it but not rushing either if that right. makes sense like really taking her time and it was just nice. You don't see that all the time. You know, she's not there at the con doing Steel City because of the paycheck. Right. You know, she's there because she loves interacting with fellow fans, not even fans. She like the fact that she is a Spengler is not lost on her. And that is something that you never get because there's people who are Venkmans and it's lost on them that they're Venkman. Right. You know, yeah, she respects the name and she respects her role in the legacy. And I really appreciate that about her. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it was one of the pieces that you had. Cause I think it came through the line, but I'm pretty sure that there was like video that the, um, con shot of her, it was like a three minute video that was shot by, um, a staffer who was in a, um, spider Gwen costume or something without the mask on walking around and filming and getting like three minute snippets with each of the people at the convention and then putting it up on their website and their social media. And so they asked her, like, you know, what have you been doing today? And she talked about how cool it was to meet all these fans and all these things she signed. And they the uh, interviewer asked her, like, straight up, like, what's the most interesting or most surprising thing you signed today? And she was like, well, I signed a lot of Funko Pops and I signed a lot of toys and I signed a lot of this. And she kind of like went through a list of things she signed. And then the interviewer moved on to the next question. And she like stopped. Like McKenna Grace was like, no, wait, wait. I signed something today that Harold Ramis signed. <laughs> she was like, yeah. and it was just amazing. And she got totally excited. Like genuinely, I got to sign something that, you know, the, the Egon Spengler, like the character I, and she didn't get into the whole explanation, but it was very obvious for her that it was like, I got to sign a legacy piece. Like, and yeah. I got to be part of that legacy piece. And it was something that she understood at a fan level. And I, I just loved it. I was like, she gets it. Like she gets why this is, so silly and important to us and it is silly i mean it's silly sometimes to be like oh my god we all collect these things we have such emotional value to objects but like there's something there something tangible that each of us who collects autographs and you know different props and things like holds dear and she seems to get it and i really love that you know um i will also say this i think it's funny that she's in a movie that its legacy began in 1984 and she, her dog is named after the other movie that came out the same <laughs> week as the legacy she That's continues, true. right? Like yeah. her dog is named after a character from Gremlins. Gremlins yeah. was the other movie, right? <laughs> like at the That's same true. time as Ghostbusters. So it's like you get this sense that here's a kid who's not just the, you know, I don't want to call her a kid because that's not fair. Here's a young woman who's, you know, um, here's a young woman who's got this sort of legacy connection to uh, films from 40 years ago. But she's a fan of them enough that she names her dog after a character from a movie from 40 years ago. You know, so, oh, yeah, yeah um, I'm it's, it's really cool that you got to meet her and interact with her. Um, was there anything in particular, any moments that kind of were just like 
particularly surreal for you? Were you just like, I can't believe this is happening? <laughs> like, the one thing that was kind of surreal is like you get to see just the person just being themselves, right? Yeah. And somebody started to say something about the new film, and it wasn't anything a mass, nothing that we don't already know. But <laughs> but McKenna is a steel trap when it comes to any stuff. And I didn't I'm respectful of that. I didn't try. Right. But the yeah. fact is, we have we have done signings with people who are involved in the film and some of them are known and some of them are known, but not really supposed to be known. But people know who they right. are. So uh, when something like that comes up, McKenna, even if you point it to her, she goes, oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, she's just very like, like, even with it's like, oh, yeah, this is a fact. I This is something I know. She won't acknowledge it. It's amazing. Right. It's the complete, com, com, uh, complete polar opposite of like the Spider-Man kid, you know, and how he always gives away things about the Marvel. Right, movies. right, right. Yeah. That's how out of touch I am. Uh, so <laughs> Toby McGuire is yeah, his Toby, exactly or like Dan Aykroyd who who just kind of get, gives things, just volunteers away things about yeah. the movie <laughs> yeah and and so much so that like somebody had mentioned something again that that's known but uh McKenna was like no <laughs> like from across the room and it was just nice you know she's very protective of it and you know I she can't talk about it but you know I asked you know are you excited and she's like yeah I'm super excited and I asked are you more excited about this one than you were for afterlife? And she said, no, she said, I, I don't think anything will surpass the excitement I had because that was the first time I joined the ghostbuster family. Yeah. And it's just like, damn, <laughs> like the biggest ghostbusters fan on earth is a ghostbuster. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that to me is, um, not lost on me when I see her interact and talk about this franchise. And it's kind of funny that you said that she was so decisively, um, you know, kind of finding ways to just not engage those questions because when she's asked those questions in the press, she very effectively goes, I don't want to get in trouble. And often <laughs> provides that explanation of I don't want to get in trouble. So I don't know what I can talk about. But very definitively is like, I know what I can talk about <laughs> in the context that you're in, you know, sort of in a private setting and somebody else brings the stuff up, you know. So mm -hmm. the other thing that's, that's surprising or, you know, kind of surreal is you know, it's not her, uh, it's not texting Finn or Logan or something, you know, it's like when you'll just be sitting there and it's an hour in and you're just doing whatever and you hear just, oh, McKenna, did you take a photo with Bill on set? And, you know, it's like that, that statement in itself isn't all that, uh, it's not all that special, right? But when you think about the Bill in question, you're like, they're just talking about Bill Murray casually who they saw <laughs> and know professionally. It's like, Bill Murray is is the ultimate, you know, uh, myth of our time because yeah. he is Bill Murray. And and that came up as well. Actually, oh, my God, I taught McKenna the word hurricane. But did she, you really? <laughs> I did. I did. And she was so like she thought that was very funny. I was like, I can't take credit for that. That was a Dan Aykroyd creation. But it fits. She's like, it does fit, uh, you know, because. <laughs> The same thing. Um, she said the same kind of stuff. And I, and I don't know if this is something that they maybe there's a Bill Murray playbook that everybody gets, but it's, you know, you don't really know <laughs> till the day of if he's going to show up. And, you know, then he does show up and he's hilarious and he's amazing and he's he's Bill. Right. You know, but it's like you hear that from all levels. You've heard that from Dan Aykroyd. Right. <laughs> You're now hearing it from McKenna Grayson. So it's like that must just be how this man operates. So it's interesting to see that from a different perspective. Somebody who actually 
knows him in some capacity, right? Yeah. 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 Somebody who's worked with him, right? Yeah. Like not maybe doesn't like hang out with him. She doesn't call him like, yeah, hey, right. you want to go watch a baseball game together? Go to a golf <laughs> tournament, hang out, <laughs> chill. Like that's what most teens my age are doing. Uh, so let's do it together. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, I think this is really cool. I think it was really awesome that you got to go and do it. Um, and you got to engage with her in a way that was, you know, one-on-one in the sense, like not, I mean, there's other people there, obviously it wasn't like just you and McKenna hanging out, but like, you know, you're involved in a project. How long would you say you had, like how many hours did it take to do all your signing? It was about three hours. Oh, right on. It was long. Yeah. And we had a bit of a break in there, uh, cause she had to go do her photo ops, but yeah, it took about three hours and, and it was nice. And, and uh, it was nice because we had a lot of time and, and she could take her time and, you know, we, we tried to make everything as special as we can. Uh, her co- signature, very consistent. Um, sometimes people get tired and at the end, you know, it becomes something not as recognizable as her <laughs> signature. Uh, you know, but I mean, every, every single one. Yeah. Consistent. Right on. Yeah. Nice. So overall, a pleasing experience. Um, you're, you're like, I had a good time. Five yeah, stars good would would arrange a signing again. <laughs> yeah, it's a good signing. You know, I, that last statement, I don't know. Uh, yeah, if we had an opportunity to, sure. You know, I, I think for us um, at the containment unit, you know, one one time is, is usually good for our members. You know, when there's right. new media, sure. You know, I, I actually expected us to do more Frozen Empire stuff than we did because uh, the trailer's out there and and those red jacket shots look awesome. Uh, <laughs> but we didn't. And so that that tells me that after that movie comes out and is is likely a huge hit, and there's all kinds of new stuff that, you know, there's going to be demand again. Um, yeah, we're, we're actually going to test the waters, uh, hopefully coming up pretty soon. Uh, see if see if we can't uh, put something together with Mr. Wolfhard, uh, who we offered uh it'll be about two years so we'll see um but yeah Yeah, ghostbusters is kind of you know we all look at it very um fondly in the ghostbusters community but it's pretty niche uh specifically in the autograph world Um, right when you you know autograph collecting is uh mostly reserved for things like marvel and star wars and sports and stuff where there's like a really deep uh uh well of characters and and signers that you can pull from and Ghostbusters doesn't really have that kind of legacy yet. So it's it's pretty niche. Uh, but people are really excited about it, too. And it seems to be growing with the new film. So I hope so. I hope that we can have McKenna again down the line. And that's a long roundabout way of telling you that. But I guess we'll see <laughs> where, the, where the franchise takes us. Well, I mean, I think it's interesting. You said you thought you'd have more Frozen Empire stuff. But mm-hmm. I was thinking about this, that like a lot of the Frozen Empire stuff that could have been out there was so limited. Like there's not yeah. like we don't have any toys yet. We don't have any merchandise True. yet. So I feel like maybe if you have another opportunity with her, you might see more of that stuff yeah. come through. You know, I think that even like, you know, uh, franchises and what have you were only getting posters like the week that you were going That's off true. to the con, you know, so I and think there'll be more stuff in the future. Probably maybe maybe it's, you know, I'm a little crazy, too, because I, I have a different relationship with autographs than probably a lot of people, because when I think about 2020. Yeah, uh, we had a signing with Ernie Hudson right before Thanksgiving 2020. And we did two afterlife pieces at that signing. And one of them was my poster and then somebody else's poster. But this is a year before the movie's even out. Right. And here we are. We are already doing stuff. And then after that, we did we had a signing with Ernie last summer. 
And it was the majority of it was afterlife related. But of course, there was nothing with his character at that point when we had right. the other signing. You know, so maybe I maybe Jim, I guess what it is, is maybe I'm starting too early. Maybe. <laughs> I think that you are more forward thinking about what will be in demand, right? As somebody who's like, hey, I help to organize signings and help to get people in connection with, you know, pieces and merchandise they want. Like, I don't know, you're starting too early as much as you're just you're go you're go getting. You're like, hey, what what's gonna be intriguing or interesting to people when yeah. this movie comes out? And that's smart marketing, right? That's smart planning. Yeah. So uh um, you know, yeah. I'll say this. Uh we don't do a ton of uh stock or inventory items. You know, we just don't. It's not right. that's not what containment unit is. No. We're not really here to make money. We're here to offer I don't know, excitement and enjoyment to the community. But that being said, yeah. I did a several of those red parka shots because that shot from the trailer, shout out to JD Raymer, that dude. Oh, friend of the podcast JD Raymer is awesome. Yeah, friend of the podcast JD Raymer. JD Raymer is great. Yeah, so thanks to him, those uh, jacket shots printed brilliantly. So now uh, I'm going to try to get a few of those done. That's right. Uh, he frame dumped the entire trailer as yeah. 1080p images yeah. and was like, look. And he sent me that as a folder, too. He was like, here is a folder of thousands of JPEGs. And I was like, this is crazy. <laughs> this is insane. Yeah. This is awesome. I have every single frame of the trailer now. And if I wanted to do anything with any of them, I can just be like, cool. And I actually use yep. those. Um, and when I got my new monitors, I needed a new wallpaper on my computer. Oh. So I went, oh, what am I going to use? And I was like, oh, wait, I have an entire <laughs> folder of amazing Ghostbusters frame by frame images. So I have the red jacket shot on my desktop now. As much as you hear me make fun of the whole red jacket obsession on this podcast, never forget, everybody, that on two monitors in my office, <laughs> there's the red jackets. <laughs> you know, one thing I noticed going through that trailer frame by frame to find the best frame grab to have signed is that afterlife is so dark in yeah. that in the last third of that movie right it's right it's so dark and they probably yeah. did that intentionally and it's okay but it makes it hard to get stuff signed and so i look at all this stuff like this frozen empire stuff and that red jacket shot should be dark as heck but it ain't it prints beautifully but then you're looking at any shot from the finale of afterlife <laughs> And it's like, what am I looking at? <laughs> I'm looking yeah, at a black they were piece of construction paper right in now. the dark in a wheat field versus <laughs> being in the city with lights reflecting off of, you know, the blue glow of frozen ice. You know, I think you're right. It's a really nice shot. It works, works really well as a wallpaper. Thanks again, J.D. Raymer. <laughs> I wondered if you got any red jackets that you had to take with you to have signed. <laughs> so the red jackets, I, I didn't have anything sent to me, but. Uh, McKenna is well aware of the online fervor over these jackets, but what she did not know was how much they cost. <laughs> so we, <laughs> we mentioned that to her. She's like, Jiminy Christmas or whatever. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think that the red jackets are fun to us. I don't think they're that maybe that big of a deal in the movie based on the reaction, but I guess we'll see. <laughs> I hope they're in the that's, movie for like one second. They're like one frame. They're like, yeah. And then that's it. And they never wear them. I've be been joking with folks that, you know, things that happen in trailers sometimes change. Right. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> so I've got two theories of what's really going to drive people crazy. One is that the red jacket scene will just never be in the movie. Like everyone will be <laughs> waiting for the red jacket scene to happen in the movie. Like we're going to see the scene finally with the red jackets and it'll just never take place. And the other 
uh, which is even more ridiculous, is that if you recall from the trailer of Afterlife, all of the colors of all of the energy in the pit and whatnot changed because oh, the yeah. marketing department felt that like whatever it was, I think green looked better than orange or whatever. I can't remember the actual colors. Nobody needs to email me and remind me what they were. I know I'm getting them wrong, but you know what I'm talking about. If you know what I'm talking about enough to email me that. And the point is that there was like one color that they used in the trailer mm. and on the DVD cover and whatnot for the color of the pit and the energy coming out of it. And a different color actually appears in the movie. So what I want to happen is for the red jackets to be transformed into green jackets. I want like by the time we get to the trailer <laughs> that somebody has just applied a replace color filter in like Premiere and just boom, take this shade of red and turn it into this shade of green, the opposite of it on like a color wheel and just fucking freak everyone out. <laughs> what if what if uh, somebody at Sony or at Ghost Core, they're like, man, these jackets are huge, but they're so expensive. Let's find their cheapest jacket and let's <laughs> let's CG that one on so that the fans can then get a cheaper jacket. If you bought one of the eighteen hundred dollar red jackets, how pissed are you if you then can then get a four hundred dollar right. green jacket? They're know? gonna CGI a Carhartt jacket in there. That's the plan now. You're just going down to the workwear shop and picking up a couple of Carhartt jackets, dyeing them red if they're not already. And just photoshopping those in. And then but then the people who bought Carhartt jackets or any other number of jackets that they're like, it's a good enough jacket can feel better about themselves because it'll be even better enough. Oh, now I'm being snarky again about the red jackets. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> but remember, they're on my wallpaper. I love red jackets, too. I'm just not going to spend seventeen hundred dollars on one because that's bonkers. Uh, but uh, Has anyone I made think the red coats joke yet. Oh, yeah, I have for sure. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's that's been done that's several just, times, but not just in my also, head. Like, man, I got a banger in here. And a <laughs> no, no, no. Somebody right. posted somebody posted at one point to GB fans. Um, when are the red coats shipping or when is the red thing shipping? And I said something along the lines of, I don't know, but it'll be two lanterns if it's by sea and one if by land. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's the second time I've broken down my joke on a social media post mm. on this podcast so for those of you judging me right now i completely understand you have a complete right to cringe at my need to tell stories about things i once wrote on the internet uh but i digress <laughs> um well anything else happened at the signing that you thought was fun interesting you want to share with us yeah i mean <laughs> i told you we were in a green room all my stories are not really related specifically to mckenna but <laughs> we were in the green room and uh man it was just bizarre so i told you we had time and so we knew that the time on the other half of the break was going to be a little more limited yeah. so we tried to get everything in order we had four tables of items so we tried to get everything in order and get the stuff that was already signed packed away as much as we could and then try to make the best use of our time when she got back but as we're doing this again you know we talked about ralphie and and skeet but we're just there and the door opens and Nev Campbell walks through Sydney Prescott <laughs> yeah. herself. And it's just. There was no interaction. She just walked by, but that was fine. But every time it happens, it's something else. Right. So then a little bit later, somebody else comes in and it's Rose McGowan, um, also from right. Scream or, or Charmed. And Rose takes a shine to Gizmo, which is McKenna's puppy. And uh, is in love with this dog and like. Like saying, oh, I'm going to kidnap this dog. Ha 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 ha. 
<laughs> but like you never know because you know, I don't know the person. But like we charged with watching the dog during photo ops, and so she's just <laughs> loving on the dog. But what was great was uh, about that whole thing. The dog was safe and fine. But McKenna is a really and it came up several times because half the cast of Scream was at the show, the original Scream. Gotcha. He had everybody yeah. but Courtney Cox, basically. McKenna's a huge fan of that movie. And she missed every single one of them, unfortunately, because <laughs> she just was out of the room. But when she came back, it was like, oh, hey, you know, Dewey's sister from Scream really loved Gizmo. And she was, a great, she was excited, you know. And then later <laughs> on, on social media, I saw that they did the Scream cast photo op and there's McKenna right in the center. And they were like, Ghost Ghostbusters meets Scream. Yes, I they did see gone, that. Ghostbusters meets Ghostface, right? But whatever. Right. Uh, and there she <laughs> is living her best life uh, with the photo with uh, the whole cast of Scream. That's amazing. You have to wonder if there was an interaction afterwards. It was like, hey, you got to meet Gizmo, but have you met the person <laughs> who h- hangs out with Gizmo all the time? Just... <laughs> You know, have the rest of you met Gizmo here? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was. Uh, I also I got to see. Uh, we don't do a ton of con signings like this. You know, whenever we do a signing, generally speaking, it's. Uh, well, you've I've told you this before, but it, it, sometimes we do signings at Starbucks, or sometimes it's at Carl's Jr., or it's an right. Oscar winner's home, or their office, or something. You know, it just varies. <laughs> But we haven't You'd, done sometimes many. there's avocado toast. Sometimes there's sometimes not. there's avocado toast, uh, <laughs> but we don't do many at cons. And in, in fact, I would say that this is probably. The only one that really qualifies as doing it at a con, because the Logan signing the cons in a hotel. So we had a, a large right. um, hotel suite that where the signing happened. But this was at the convention center. But so there was another. Signing entity i don't know what they were but they were doing some private signings as well in a room that was kind of adjacent to ours and that's why rose was there she was doing a signing for these folks and so i got to see somebody else do what we do which i've never really i've I've been to many signings but i've always been a participant so it's just interesting to see how other people do it right i kind of get some uh, some insight on like what does another person who's coming in or a vendor who's coming in and sort of setting up those private opportunities to get signings create done with different celebrities. How do they organize it? How do they set it up, et cetera? You made me think about a question because you're thinking about time a bunch and like how much of a time crunch there was towards the end. How much time do you think that McKenna spent like with each of the pieces you are putting in front of her? Oh, 15 seconds, 20 seconds. It goes really fast. You know, it depends on, uh, is there a character? Is there a um, personalization? You know, we going in quotes weren't really something just it, we weren't sure on quotes because right. of time. You know, you, you have to think about it. I, I talk about you're right. I've talked about time, but at a con, it's different than going to someone's home or their office at a con. Sure. They have places they need to be. So McKenna yep. has to be at her table signing from this time to this time. She's got photo ops from this time to this time. Right. So we don't really know if there's going to be time for quotes. You know, so but if there is a quote that obviously takes uh, a lot more time or if she's excited about an item or if there's an issue with a pen or something. But, you know, McKenna, she we always put sticky notes on it. You know, there's sticky notes that say the color and the placement and the request, because there's no way we're going to remember all this. Right. So McKenna just started like and this is not unique to her, but it's more unique than you would expect. Uh, She was just immediately a, a photos in front of her. She would 
read the sticky note and she would do exactly what it said and then take it off. And like she she was doing it playfully, but she would like throw the sticky note, you know, like take it <laughs> off and chuck it. And uh, so she was already like she got down really quickly because Matt and I are very, very uh, and we get complimented on this a lot from the talent, but we're very organized. Right. And we try to make it as like fast and easy as possible and get in and out as quickly as possible because we know that their time is expensive and, and their time's valuable. Right. Yeah. So we always get that. And, and McKenna quickly learned how it was working with us, you know, how what we were doing differently than other people. But she got it and, and it went really fast. But there was just a lot of stuff. Right. Yeah. No, and I, I didn't mean to be like this. This just spent enough time with each person's piece. It's not what I mean either. Like, I don't imagine that signing a thing takes more than 15 seconds, but mm-hmm. like it made me start to consider this, that like, how does that process work? Like, are you putting a piece in front of her and then being like, this is what needs to happen with it? Or as you're kind of describing, like you've already done that on the front end, like you've the communication of what we're doing mm-hmm. here is kind of laid out in front of you. So as long as you kind of can follow the post-it notes and clarify yeah. as you go. Like you can bust through it pretty quickly, but it also gives her the ability to kind of like, like, cause one of the things I was cons- thinking about was I saw folks kind of talk about this, that when they got signings, people went through her line that she wouldn't mm. just sign something, but she would do like a remark or something, you know, she would kind yeah, of yeah. add something to pieces beyond sure. just her name. And I wondered how much of an opportunity she got to do that, you know, in a bulk situation. So there actually was some of that. Uh, for instance, I can cite a couple pieces where um, people have been putting together an item and Finn wrote a quote and Logan wrote a quote, but that person didn't request a quote. And so she said a couple times, she goes, well, they did quotes. Should I put one? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know? And, and I said, uh, in this particular instance, I said, I'm a scientist is probably good. And she said, that's exactly what I was thinking. And I said, then yeah, absolutely do it. And the other thing too is, um, when it comes to character name, you know, when we offer a character name, when I say you can select to have character name added, I'm not going to guarantee that they're going to write anything specific other than right. it is going to be what they say is their character name. So, you know, for for this, for instance, I expect Phoebe. Right. Right. We had people request Phoebe Spengler or Phoebe or whatnot. You know, one time somebody requested uh, from Ernie Zetamore, which I really liked. I never thought of that before. Mm-hmm. You know, but anyway. So we never guarantee that because we don't know what's going to happen. It's like it's like Bob Gunton, Bob Gunton. Sure. Uh, the way we were told was Bob doesn't want to sign Egon because he's not Harold. He wants to sign Ghost Farmer. Right. Which is how he's credited. And I said, well, can we go Dirt Farmer? Because that's how he's called in the movie. And but now I see every other signing that Bob has done. He writes Egon. and He does a cross next to it. So McKenna. Walking into the signing. Her manager's chirping at her and saying don't forget you only you don't have to write phoebe spengler every time right (laughs) because but mckenna and and it came up though mckenna said and i told you she respects being a spengler she felt that she is a spengler that she wants to write that and and so more often than not it was phoebe spengler she took the whole time to write phoebe spengler because of that respect now not in every item you know there was some she did some she didn't and it was just kind of hit or miss but a lot more than I would have expected. And then she also mentioned that. Uh, <laughs> let me say it, uh, that whenever she signs her name, she puts a little heart on it. And that's how you know she signed it because the heart's there. So every time she missed a heart, either if she didn't catch it, one of us <laughs> caught it. And we were right. like, 
is this not your signature then? You're not going to put. And so she'd be like, oh, so there was one where <laughs> where she wrote two hearts because she forgot it. So she's like, you get two, you know, and did that. So, uh, you know, she's very aware of of what she's doing. And, yeah, she did take time on things uh, when it made sense. Um, right. You know, the way it, just inside baseball gym. But, the, you know, the way it works, if I have a stack of eight by tens, say I have 158 by tens in a stack. The top ones are the ones that are weird. So they're like two gym. <laughs> or character name or quote or a paint pen because that takes longer right. to dry because it's like 99% of the stuff we have it's like silver and it you know whatever and you get the best silver you can right that dries you know and sometimes it is paint but anyway so you do the weird ones and then you just really quickly the next ones when right. you get to that and then it goes fast so yeah there's there is time and and there were some shots you know for instance um the shot in the trailer where the one shot of her in the trailer she's by the uh, for frozen empire She's right by the fire pole. Yes. She's like, she looks at it she, and she goes, I've never signed this before. And she, I said, okay, will you write number one on it? And she said, absolutely. And so she wrote number one on it. It was the first time she signed that image. Nice. You know, I don't know whose it is. It's just whoever's it was. It says number one now. Congratulations. But it's the first one she signed. You know, <laughs> I, was, I was a little like, it, it, you know, it stung my pride just a little bit. Because our signing took place on Saturday, so she was also there on Friday. So she didn't sign the first Frozen Empire poster with us. She signed the first right. Frozen Empire poster on Friday. That <laughs> <laughs> someone you know, probably went and spent like seventy five dollars yeah. on eBay to get because you know, yeah. either that or they went and found a Ghostbusters franchise. Depends. Was it double sided or not? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Mine's double sided. I Mine is I not. showed you this somehow. Uh, I just happenstance, crazy random happenstance, but. Leading that week leading up to McKenna Grace, uh, to leaving for that signing, Patton Oswald and um, Carrie Coon both signed my poster. Wow. Pretty exciting. That's pretty wild. Yeah. How'd you manage that? I have a vast network of people who can <laughs> get things done. Wow. That sounds intimidating. The containment unit now has got like people who can get things done. I like this. <laughs> when you're an idea. autograph collector, you have to have people in big cities that that you trust because I can't be in big cities all the time. But I can. That's but fair. my items can be. That's fair. I can understand yeah. that. I that's hilariously, as much as you're saying this, I have been scoping Patton Oswalt comedy shows uh, in here in L.A. to be yeah. like, can I go down well, there and you know you go know see LA, him and then just him. hang around? Like you know, I've in LA, never you go to, seen him. You, you know? ever go to an event? In L.A. and you see the people standing around with photographs and stuff waiting for celebrities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're called graphers in our line of work or whatever in our hobby. And and there are people that do that full time and there are people that you can hire to do things like that. When we landed, we we flew into Pittsburgh uh, Thursday night. The con starts Friday morning. One of the guests at the con who was on a TV show that came up earlier in this podcast was on my flight. And when we got out. There were autographers waiting yeah. for somebody. I don't know who they were waiting for at the airport, but they didn't go after this person. They went after the Tara Strong. Well, if they were going after Tara Strong, it's probably because they were all there as extreme Ghostbusters fans because she was Kylie Griffin. See, oh. it was that. So part of the convention was there because they were all chasing McKenna Grace because yeah. they know that she's in the current wave of Ghostbusters. And part of the autograph folks were there. The graphers were there because they knew that the Kylie Griffin stuff is really going to take off <laughs> given yeah. everything that's happening in Ghostbusters. But no, I mean, all seriousness, Tara Strong does all kinds of voices, right? She's she does. Uh, in yeah. a whole bunch of different cartoons that are out there. 
and is a great talent. And she's on like fairly odd parents and she was a Powerpuff girl and she was, you know, on a bad girl cartoon. She did Rugrats, uh, you know, the one of the newer versions of that. So she's done a lot of different stuff. What I found interesting, though, yeah, she does have a lot of credits, but she's going to be at a convention in the same city the next day. So if you get that autograph and you say, oh, I'm going to go sell this on the Internet. <laughs> are you really making money that, that that is worth hanging out at the airport for hours on a right. Thursday night? Yeah, I don't know. When I went to go see a comedy show at Dynasty Typewriter, which is like a 300 person theater in Los Angeles, I had gone to go see Doug Benson. It's actually the same place I went to go see Paul Feig do that Q&A uh, about Ghostbusters 2016 a few weeks ago. But I went to go see Doug Benson, who's a uh, kind of stoner comedian who did movies like Super High Me. He also does like voice acting. He was Bane in the Lego Batman movie. And he has a long running podcast that's been out for like, I want to say almost like 10, almost over 10 years, probably close to 15, if not already, uh, called Doug Loves Movies, where they essentially do a trivia uh, show around movies and things. And du- just by like happenstance, one of the guests on that version of Doug Loves Movies was John Hamm. And I got out of my car in the parking garage and began walking towards the venue. And there were just like guys getting out of their cars with crates of Funko Pops. Like you would have thought they thought they were going to get John Hamm to stand there for half an hour and sign two dozen Funko Pops as they're like just crates. And they're not even of like his character or anything, just John Hamm Funko Pops, which I didn't know existed. I thought there was like, oh, they got like Mad Men. No, John Hamm Funko Pop. And they didn't get him. And so they were all chasing him down the street. Like I, he almost ran into me and like, I had this weird interaction where I had to squeeze around him and be like, excuse me, John Ham," And to get back to my seat because he came running through the door and he stopped and like looked at the staffers and was like, my people need seats now. And was like not being abrupt and rude, but he was just completely shut down from anybody else around him who was trying to say anything because as he was running through the door, there were these guys going, come on, John, just sign one. I didn't even get one. Come on, John. And it was like the most cringy thing I had seen. Mm-hmm. I felt so bad for him because he was just trying to get this entourage of people who he invited as guests into the theater. And the theater doesn't have a back entrance. It only has a front entrance. So he's got to come in the same way as everybody else. So, yeah, graphers, they're out there in Los Angeles and they know where John Hamm is at all times. You should you should pipe in the Lethal Weapon theme song over this. But like one time I saw somebody literally slide over the hood of Mel Gibson's car trying to get him as he got into the rear passenger side. Like like they pulled a full rigs like across the hood of the car. It was nuts. Did not get the autograph, by the way. And it was not. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, Would you stop and sign for that person who probably just damaged your clear coat? (laughs) (laughs) Like, nope, no, thank you. The thing that I don't get is like uh, the airport. I don't understand that. I never have. Um, you know, especially there are people who like sign at the airport, but they won't yeah. sign at an event. Like, it's interesting. You know, Jamie Lee Curtis, for instance, when uh, a couple years ago I was at San Diego Comic Con and she did not, there's a few things you could go see her at. Um, but she didn't sign anything at Comic-Con, but she signed at the airport in San Diego when she flew into Comic-Con. It's like, why are you rewarding this behavior of people? <laughs> I don't get that. It is odd. Um, it's kind of strange. And maybe it's just because it's like, I got to get out of here and it's easier just to deal with this than it is to say no or something. Who knows? But mm-hmm. it's kind of strange. 
Zebra. I'm trying to find something now. You might actually know what it is. There's a musician, and I can't remember who it was, who arrived at LAX or somewhere, and there were a bunch of graphers who were standing there, like trying to get autographs. And he was like, "Name a song off of my oh, third yeah. album." Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> that was the guy from Third Eye Blind. So like Harrison Ford, you know, if you if you encounter him, he he will sign for those throngs of graphers, but. What he, I mean, he's uncle, they call him uncle Harry because like he puts you <laughs> in your place. He tells you to line up and be respectful. And if you just sit there and you just line up and you're quiet and nobody's acting like a fool, then he will sign one item for everyone. But the moment somebody starts either pushing or shoving or trying to sneak in a second one, then he walks, you know, he's, he's big on the respect of it. And, and yeah, right. it, there's, there's people who, who have like rules about what they will and won't sign or like. I've seen people get quizzed before, you know, and it's uh, it's interesting. It's it's a weird yeah. sect of the hobby. Yeah, I think um, that that quizzing thing is something that kind of went socially viral recently. I think that was uh, maybe the lead singer or the one of the performers from Third Eye Blind who got caught at the airport and was like, name something off of one of my albums that is not, you know, mm-hmm. a popular hit. And, the guy who was standing there was like, come on, man, you're really going to challenge me. Like, I've been waiting here for how long? And it's like, yeah, no, I'm really going to force you to name something. So that way I can prove you're a fan as opposed to somebody who's just going to try and sell this. I was at this event and I was waiting for somebody else. I've only done the in-person thing a couple times for people that really meant something to me. But I was trying to meet Kyle McLaughlin from Twin Peaks. OK. And and uh, Flintstones movie and any number of things. And uh, Deborah Harry was there. And there was a bunch <laughs> okay. of people and in the back and uh, they had all these records and stuff. And she walks right by him and they're they're doing the whole thing. And I just walked up. They're doing the whole oh, I, I've been waiting here all day. As, so all of the entitlement in the world. And so I had just gotten there and I I said, well, give me your albums. I haven't asked her yet. And the guy gave me three pieces and I walked up and I said, hi, Miss Harry. Um, just wonder if you would sign a couple autographs for me. And she's like, okay. And she did. And then I took him back to the guy and I was like, this is what happens when you're respectful and nice <laughs> and not shouting at the person. Here you go. You know, it's like, I, it just, I, I, I mean, you're touching on something though. Like, do you think that that has a lot to do with like, I mean, I'm not trying to like overstate and be like, you're amazing. Look what you've done. But like, you really have developed a relationship with different folks within like the you know, the production community, if we're going to call it something like the cast and crew of Ghostbusters media, like you've really developed a positive relationship with a lot of these folks such that like, you know, opening a a door on one signing potentially opens up a door on another one because somebody has a good experience with you. I I mean, I think that's a thing that I've noticed about you over the course of time I've known you and watched you get all these signings. And do you think that has a lot to do with the fact that you come at this, you know, in an organized and respectful way? and and really carry it that way in terms of how you handle the signing versus how other folks operate. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the thing that's a real testament to that is uh, kind of the, the boss film project that Matt and I have been doing. You know, pre-containment unit, I met Mark Brian Wilson and I just wanted him to sign an autograph for me. And Mark Brian right. Wilson, as you know, is Slimer. And uh, I'd sent him an email and he said, oh, well, actually, let's get together. And like we got together and we had breakfast. And uh, and he signed my stuff and, and we basically have been friends since that time. And but but that's kind of like that relationship 
um, has only grown uh, because we don't, you know, whether it's uh, Mark or Jim or, or any of the folks that we work with that we call friends, they, they did something uh, important culturally, but it's also something that's important to us. And, you know, we don't treat them like uh, like they're the celebrity. You know, they are to us, but we treat them as as with respect because of what they created, what they did. Right. And a lot of signers, uh, especially from that era, uh, special effects in the 70s and 80s, they, they're hesitant sometimes. You know, they're like, what do you mean? I Somebody wants me to sign something for a movie I did 40 <laughs> years ago. Not everybody is, thinks of Ghostbusters like we do. They think right. of it as it was a job I did 40 years sure. ago. And, no, agreed. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and it's relationships like that, like like Mark, uh, that Mark trusts us because we've treated him with the respect that he has earned and that he deserves. Right. And then he will vouch for us to other people. You know, we wouldn't have been able to get some of and I'm not going to drop any names, but some of the signings that we have would not have happened if it wasn't for for us um, building that reputation as somebody. Right. who We don't care about the money. And I'll, I'll say that yeah, I've heard other people say that in the autograph world, but it's legitimate. We don't do this to make a profit. We are doing this because we care and they feel that, you right. know, if 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 the signer is making money and TCU is breaking even on the deal, then everyone's happy. Right. And and so because of that, like you'll see some stuff hopefully coming up pretty soon in, in uh, 2024 that was something that would never happen ever. It was just a no go not happening. And uh, it's because of the relationships that we've built. You know, I don't think that us having a positive relationship with Ernie Hudson is going to get us Dan Aykroyd or Bill Murray or, or someone along those lines. But I know that we could sign with Ernie again anytime. Right. And. And, you know, you may have noticed, I, I don't know if anyone has noticed or not, but Ernie Hudson hasn't done any conventions in a very long time. No, he hasn't. Because he's 78 years old. Right. And I thought it was interesting. There's all these photos that keep popping back up of him at cons recently yeah. where I see people like, hey, it's yeah. Ernie at a con. And I'm like, this is like a 10 year old photo, right? Yeah. Like this easily. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, you know, he, he told us when we saw him last summer that he didn't know, you know, he's, he's shooting full time on his TV show. He's on uh, Quantum Leap. And that that shoots basically it's late summer through very early spring. And then there's a couple months off, you know, right. Uh, he wants to spend time with his family during that time, not go to conventions. Now, I don't know that he's never going to do them again or what. But, you know, in a world where he's not doing them, it's it's like, OK, well, I don't feel worried that we can't get him for ourselves or our customers because of the relationship we've built with him over the years. Right. You know, I feel like we're in a pretty good spot there. I think it's really cool that like you've been able to do that and that you got to kind of make another connection, you know, with McKenna and uh, sort of establish that, you know, you do this and you do it well and in a way that was mutually beneficial and that seemed like you all enjoyed doing enough that somebody was like, hey, here's a dog. Could you just make sure it doesn't run off and hang out with Rose McGowan? <laughs> <laughs> well, we know that you've uh, had a pretty successful signing with McKenna Grace that there's a lot of people who are going to be getting things in the weeks to come. Although I believe you said that reasonably, if you're listening out there and you made an order for a McKenna Grace autograph, you should not expect it to be shipped until the new year because Tom is totally reasonably sane and not going to put your autograph into the shipping network in the midst of the holiday season and then have it get damaged. Right. I mean, is that pretty accurate? Yeah. If somebody, a couple of people have emailed me if they want, if somebody wants something under the Christmas tree, then I will. But I mean, we have hundreds of items and, you know, the way yeah. shipping works, it takes weeks, yeah. months, some in some cases. And so 
I'm I'm taking a bit of a breather here. And thankfully, people have been uh, respectful of that, but not everybody has. And, you know, it's kind of uh, in answer to that a little bit. Um, I'm not shipping till after the new year. Yeah. And uh, it's it's not because I'm lazy. It's because it's the holidays. And also, you're right. It's a bad time to ship. It's a terrible and, time to ship anything. Yeah. We, when we did the fin signing, it was in January. I think it was the middle of January. So I had stuff shipping and coming to me on around this time of year. And there was a big ice storm in Seattle. And yeah. it was a headache and a nightmare. And a lot of stuff missed the signing. And, you know, um, stuff got here damaged. And I'm not going to take that risk. Because the yeah. way the hobby works in the autograph world, if I were to send something and it gets damaged in the mail, uh, that is my responsibility to replace right. that. So I think uh, about this I'm the simple fact of... I, I can tell you just from my own personal experience this week, uh, I've had several different mail carriers I've never seen before because they are just like temporary hired people or people who are helping cover shifts or other people who normally do your route or out on vacation because this is the time of year they chose to take their vacation time and be like, to hell with this time of year. This sucks. I saved my weeks of vacation for now. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I had a mail carrier walk up to my mailbox and take mail that had no re right to be in my mailbox at all. Just drop it in there for a completely different house and walk off. And I pulled it out of the mailbox because I was standing there and I looked at him and I said, hey, this is not for here. And he looked at me and he goes, uh-huh. And I went, no, for real, like, this is not my mail and you're going to take it back and take it where it goes. And he was like, okay, fine. As if I had like put him out. <laughs> and mm -hmm. then I said, by the way, where's my mail? And he went, guess you don't have any today. <laughs> and wow. I was like, wow, well, that's really <laughs> confidence inspiring at the holiday season. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you. Like, I'm all second this that not shipping things right now if you don't need to is definitely the right move. And here's the other reason why, from my standpoint, for your customers is that you don't ever charge markup on shipping. You just tell them what the cost of shipping is. And what do you know? The USPS is now mm -hmm. kind of like Uber. They're like, wait, it's the holiday season. We can surcharge people because they need yep. to ship stuff. And so you have oh. holiday rates that go into place and they actually do this of like surge price mail for the holiday season as one of the ways to, you know, make sure that your taxpayer subsidized um, your mail service is more profitable by making sure you pay even more for it than you might if you were shipping something in August. So for those That's of you out there who are like, Jim, are you ranting about the postal system? Not anymore. I'm done now. Uh, but. <laughs> This is real for real. Like the postage rates go up in the middle of like October in anticipation of the holiday season. And then they drop back down in January after the holiday season is over because the U S federal government has embraced surge pricing. <laughs> God. What next? Oh, the Uber economy has done so many wonderful things for us. Hasn't it? <laughs> um, well, I'm excited though, you know, beyond what you have to get in the mail out in 2024, uh, because I know that I have something coming from you that I'm going to be very excited to see that will be actually my second McKenna piece in my collection because I won one previously in a contest, which was very fun. Uh, so shout out to Central Oklahoma Ghostbusters for that. Uh, but I digress. Uh, the uh, what do you got coming down the pike, though? Do you, do you want to tease for 2024 people should expect or to be keeping their eye out for or putting money aside for <laughs> if they know they're going to want stuff? Um, yeah, there's a couple things. I, I, I don't want to name anything specific but I'll hint at some stuff. Uh, the long-term ghost projects uh, that we've been doing from Ghostbusters 1 specifically, uh, those will be complete before the end of the year. Um, cool. E e either they're going to be 
where we want them or yeah. we're going to uh, close the door on the projects uh, going as far as we can, you know, because at the end of the day, we can't get everyone. Right. But I look at those ghost projects, Slimer and the Terror Dogs and Stay Puft, and I'm like, damn, because there's a lot of signatures on them. There's not really space really for much more. They look beautiful. So they've been in some cases in the works for five years. So it's just time and it's 40th anniversary and, you know, we're, we're yeah. kind of tired of working on them. Um, just because it's taken so long, like every time we add a signer, it's it's exciting with to hear new stories and stuff. But people are asking about them more and more. Yeah, because I get it. They haven't seen anything. In, I mean, they see it, but they haven't held anything in years. Right. It's like you can send them a photo a to say, here's the addition right. of your newest signature on your piece. Yeah. But they haven't seen their tangible item in right. a long time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I see them constantly and I'm like, wow, these are really nice. I, I just wish we could call them done. So we're going to call them done next year. Nice. Um, also, you know, I, I feel OK. I, I, I don't think anybody would be shocked by this, but, you know, we've had all four of the new Ghostbusters already. And right. we've had all four of them uh, and we've had Paul Rudd and. um. Celeste O'Connor, we had prior to Afterlife. And they were unable to sign Ghostbusters memorabilia at that point because the film had not been released. Um, right. So they were they were uh, great and then did these amazing handwritten personalized letters for everybody. Uh, it was great. But there's a lot of memorabilia that we have that that uh, needs to be complete. So Celeste, um, hoping that our schedules can align sometime early in the year and, and get that going. Uh, it's, you know, Celeste is a very busy, young, successful actor, and yeah. um, it's tough to line those schedules up. But that's something that we're hoping uh, to do. Also, I'll say this one, Jim, because it, it was born out of that commentary episode. Uh, <laughs> thanks to a, I don't know who the viewer was or listener. You can shout them out if you'd like. We have identified Prologue Egon which was my uh, white whale out of afterlife because I just yes. wanted to know who it was and why they weren't telling us the name. Uh, and I, while nothing is guaranteed or set up or anything, I have been in contact with this individual. And so I would love to offer them uh, next year. It's up to them if they want to sign. Um, but also, we have a new movie coming out, so there's new cast members. I would say manage your expectations because... You know, we get no's more than we get yeses, sure. um, especially the bigger the name, regardless of their role in the film, uh, the bigger the name, the bigger the paycheck that they want. And I would like to remind your audience that Containment Unit is two gentlemen, Matt Sanders <laughs> and myself. So, you know, we, we can't throw down $50,000 or, or something, right? Um, right. It's, a, it's a problem of scale. Mm hmm. But but that being said, you know, it's also the 40th anniversary of the movie that that brings us here and, and is the reason we're having this conversation. So. We're going to try to make some things happen. I don't know if they will, but we're going to hit it hard for the 40th and see if. Um, if we can close out uh, the year with some good names, I don't know what's going to happen. It's, it's hard to say, uh, but we have priorities <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I don't know. I would love to say, oh, Rick Moranis, you know, but if we haven't had if we haven't <laughs> you, had them wait, at this point, if you said Rick happen. Moranis out of the blue after this many years of nobody saying Rick Moranis about anything, yeah. that would yeah. be impressive. <laughs> I Man, I like it, it, here's the thing. It's like. 
the people we haven't had yet, if you look, we've done over 40 private signings. Right. 40. That's a lot of signings in five years. Uh, if you look at who we haven't had, the reason is it's one of two things, 100%. Either the amount of money that they want to sign is way too much, or right. they simply have no interest in it because they don't need money and sure. they don't have... They, they have no interest in actually just doing a signing. There's one gentleman, uh, I won't name any names, um, but they are the last one that is needed for a specific project related to Ghostbusters. Uh, and they are not famous for Ghostbusters. They are gotcha. famous for the rest of their career, but right. Ghostbusters is a part of it. And so they are famous to us for Ghostbusters, but not everybody. And uh, that person hasn't ever on a convention or a signing they have signed before um and i thought it would be a slam dunk especially during the writers or the actor strike but uh ooh, not at all <laughs> not even close and uh you know sometimes you know we we don't come of it come at it from an angle of hey we're here to make money it's like hey Right. This is our community and this is our mission statement and what we're trying to do. And we have this much that we would love to give you to sign this many items. And it's a lot of money, but it's not enough money when people are bringing in a hundred thousand dollars for a weekend, you know? Sure. And uh, some of the no's that we've gotten are surprising. Some of the yeses we've gotten are surprising. But, you know, we're not dummies. We know what people would like to see. And we've tried and we'll continue to try, but we're not going to try forever. You know, we got yeah. really, really close this year to somebody very close. And then it just <laughs> they ghosted us. Uh, <laughs> um, and it's like it, we we have been banging that drum for a long time trying to get that thing going. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, it gets exhausting. Um, and there's a there's a balance of like. You know, what does what does the group want um, and and what are we? Whew, prepared to do to make it happen, I guess. Yeah, I I think that there's a real um, I think you do a really good job of trying to figure out what people need. I know you've joked in the past about, you know, that you, what you go after is what you need uh, mm -hmm. first. But, you know, I think that you've started to also figure out uh, how to leverage the relationships you're making and to figure out what folks in the community need. So um, yeah. I'm hopeful that, you know, we're going to still see some opportunities. Like if you didn't get the McKenna this past time around, like. Maybe you will get another one of those yeah. later. Maybe that'll be a thing that comes up. You know, we'll see. The other, the other thing, too, is like we're going into a movie year. Right. Right. It's a movie year and it's an anniversary year. That's like a perfect storm. So I don't have any insider knowledge, really. But I would say uh, the odds of seeing people who of Ghostbusters, people who do cons already. So like uh, the Mark Wilson's, Bill Bryan, Steve yeah. Johnson, you know, I would expect to see them doing cons in 24 because it's a movie year. Right. So you're probably going to see Logan. We're already seeing Finn doing shows. I wouldn't. Uh, McKenna's doing another show in uh, New Jersey next year. So I think there's going to be opportunities for that. I don't know that we're going to see a ton of new people on the con circuit. But like, think of it, you know, for instance. We haven't ever, ever even approached Carrie Coon, which right. is odd, I would say. Right. You, you think about it, if you think about the cast of Afterlife, four kids, Rudd and Carrie Coon, we've never even tried. The root cause of that is because Matt and I don't need her on anything or we haven't until <laughs> the new movie. Now the new movie, right. now there's new stuff. It's like, OK, well, now we do. And it's like that's a main 
motivator though. Right. Because if we need her, other people do. And we we have done signings where we've taken a bath on it because it hasn't sold as well as we thought because people didn't need them. Right. So like Carrie Coon though, she's the nicest person. Like if you meet her at a play or you know what we saw her at the afterlife premiere, she's the nicest. And she'll sign everything you got. But that doesn't mean she's going to jump to do a signing. Right. Where she's being paid and making money and doing all this stuff. Right. So there's a difference between being nice in the moment versus taking on a project. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And she's very busy. So it's like, I would love to approach Carrie Coon and do that signing and add her to all the red jacket shots. But she's in the Avengers. Like, that's not going to be the same reason we're never going to have Paul Rudd again. Never. Right. You know, it's it's just untenable. Probably doesn't mean I won't ask, but I had somebody come back to me and I won't name their name, Jim. You know who it is because I told you. (laughs) And the response that I got was asking me for a six figure offer. Right. And, And this person's contribution to the Ghostbusters franchise was negligible at best <laughs> and and all i wanted to do was like to sign some ghostbusters stuff for the fans and that was the response i got and i get that i'm not they can ask what they want but we can't work sure with that. right there's a there's what you can do and what you can't do and right. so i'm excited about the potentiality of what you will be able to do in 2024 <laughs> um, Me too. You know, i think there's a lot that's going to happen and i think the other part of it that's like we're going to watch the the sort of family of Ghostbusters stars, if you want to, or cast and crew grow. So to me, like the other thing that's exciting is how many new folks we're going to be able to start adding autographs for to collections and things like I'm got to be honest, like one of the things I really want in my collection, just because I already like him as I need a Kumail Nanjiani, like I'm going to need a Kumail me Nanjiani too. autograph for sure. And I'm going to want a Pat Oswalt, And I know it like, and those are people who like, I already like from comedy and who I may have even seen live. And up until now, I wasn't like, ah, you know, I should really get their autograph. But the minute they're part of Ghostbusters, I'm like, now I need that eight by 10. It's like my trading card. Right. So um, I'm, I will be personally kind of chasing the L.A. comedy circuit a bit. I've, I'm joking. I can't let Leah listen to this episode until after Christmas, but she won't. So it's fine. So nobody mm-hmm. tell her. But one of the things that she's getting for Christmas, everybody, is that we're going to go see Kumail Nanjiani in May as part of the Netflix is a joke oh. uh, festival. It's happening in LA, but our tickets are like the front row of the lower balcony. So my plan is to bring a poster on a string and just in the middle of the performance, just lower it down to the ground mm. level into orchestra. And then just see if he comes off the stage to sign it. Like, well, that'll work, right? That's being respectful. S- Isn't that how it's done? I saw <laughs> something like that happen and work once. What? I was at an event with Kevin Smith and Jason Muse. And, and <laughs> oh, this that could dude, totally make sense there. This dude him. just yes. walks up. He walks up to the stage and he lays a script on the stage <laughs> and walks away. And Kevin, of course, saw it. And Kevin Smith walked up and he's like, what the fuck is this? And uh, he picks it up. And he's like, clerks. And he's like, yeah, would you sign it? And Kevin's like, all right. And, so, and he's like, Muse. <laughs> but like, it worked. It's like sometimes that, that, what theater is this at? this Netflix thing. Uh, it's going to be at the access theater at the ACE hotel. Oh, remember the story I told you about with Deborah Harry? Yes. That was also at the ACE hotel. Really? It was interesting. Hmm. 
That being said, hey. he'll also be on January 8th at Largo in LA doing the only version of the meltdown stand-up show that they have done as a revival. I don't have tickets to go. So I unfortunately missed out. They sold out almost instantly because the meltdown was a legendary comedy show that I actually talked about with John Yurkaba a few weeks ago on the podcast as taking place in the back of meltdown comics. So um, I won't be at that show, but there's a part of me that wants to be like, can I just go hang around Largo? <laughs> like go with stand there with a poster and be like, Hey, Hey, could you, could you, could you sign this? Or will that just be too creepy? But then I thought if I do it, I could bring John's art with me and then just show up with like John's print. Right. And the one that Kumail already said on Twitter looked good and be like, Hey, (laughs) and then I'll just get John in trouble. So it'll be fine. (laughs) What do you think? Do you think I should, should I execute on these plans to lower posters from the ceiling to Kumail or just hide outside of Largo with John's art? So I can't be blamed. Somebody told me that Kamel prefers to not sign something that his face is not seen on. Gotcha. So I don't know if that is going to continue, but I will say that he has, in fact, been in the presence of my poster and declined to sign it. Gotcha. At the time. But that happens all the time. It could just be he was busy, he was fast, he didn't have the time. I don't know what it was, but I've heard. So your art print that John did, is he pictured on it? I can't. Yes, he's drawn on it. I would say, yeah, I would say that that would be a a very good opportunity. I think based off their advice, I'm going to go get a still from the trailer that his Mm -hmm. face is really big on. And I'm going to print it out in like 27 (laughs) by 40. No, 27 by 40. It's going to be just as big as an actual movie poster. Hold it up like you're at a wrestling match. Right. (laughs) And then he can come down off the stage and uh, you guys can be BFF. Well, I'm, but remember, I'm going to be in the balcony, so I have to lower oh. it. I'm going to have to like d- make it descend down to his level so he can get it. And then I'll hoist it back up. Right. So. OK, here's a here's an idea. This is a million dollar idea. Uh, I only do this with personal items uh, that don't belong to me. So I would only do this with a customer's item. But here's how you get it. So you're up in the balcony, you just take that poster and you fold it into a paper airplane. You make the folds <laughs> as strong and deep as possible, and then you just let that sucker fly. Uh, do avoid aiming for the eyes. You don't want to put Mr. Nanjiani's eye out. Uh, you don't want to shoot his eye out. <laughs> Tying it back to the beginning. Remember, Wait, Ralphie? Does, does this plan work? Like, does this plan rely upon the signer having a good enough throwing arm to return this to you at the end of the interaction? Mm. Could you have a string tied to the airplane so that you could then tow it back? Yeah. Yeah, Is that a possibility? Then maybe we'll do that. Yeah. Or just put it on a slingshot. They'll have a finite amount of moments before it just springs back into your hand because it's a magic rubber band. (laughs) (laughs) Takes out several people in the audience. I'm look. One thing I know is that I'll never have to resort to anything. This is ridiculous as this to ever get a Ghostbusters autograph because I have the opportunity to know and work with you. So. Uh, and with Matt and I appreciate the both of you so much. And I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast this week and, uh, filling us in a bit about your McKenna Grace trip and letting us know what's coming up in the future. Anything else you want to add before we kind of sign off for the week? No, this has been great. Uh, I look forward to doing more episodes of so much editing with Jim and Tom. (laughs) People don't know about the editing. 
They're, they don't we don't tell them they that do part. now oh no this is, they're gonna hear all the parts that were edited out like the top the part <laughs> of the story where you told me how bill murray showed up at steel city con and brought sandwiches <laughs> for mckenna grace and that no one was allowed to know about it or just don't how, tell them the truth that this podcast <laughs> is only made up of the stuff that hit the cutting room floor so this is a special holiday edition well, no, the special holiday edition is coming. That get, that's the oh. special that's coming after this. You were just that's the thing before it. You're oh, the okay. penultimate I'm, I'm evident, the, episode. I'm the lead you know? up to the special. All right. All right. Okay. You're the, I'm you're, the soup. You're the. Yes, that's you. That's your new name. You are now Tom Henry, the soup of Extraplasm <laughs> podcast. That's amazing. You are the hot apps <laughs> of this podcast and no one should forget it, everyone. Tom, uh, I really do. I really do value you so much. And as we head into the end of the year in the holiday season, I hope you have a great holiday and a great rest of your year and a new year. Um, thank you. It's you all too, good. sir. Looking forward to uh, more more collaboration down the line in the future. Yeah, for sure. I'm glad to talk with you always. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for so much. That about wraps things up for Extraplasm this week. And as we've discussed, this is your last traditional style Extraplasm for 2023. But don't forget, we've got a holiday special that'll be dropping this coming weekend for you, as Jason Fitzsimmons and Tony Taylor and I will be releasing a commentary of the classic Bill Murray film Scrooged. And beyond that, there's something in the works for New Year's that I'm still not quite ready to tell you about yet, but make sure you keep your eyes peeled for that in the final weeks of 2023. And if you're interacting with these special holiday episodes, who knows, there may even be some news about how you might be able to score some Ghostbusters Frozen Empire promotional items while helping out a worthwhile cause. But. For this week, I want to say one final thank you to Tom Henry for coming on the show and recapping his visit with McKenna Grace with us, and I want to encourage you if you're not already following the good work that Tom and Matt Sanders are doing to help secure affordable autographs for the fan community, make sure you go over to Facebook and look for the Containment Unit, We Collect Spores, Molds, and Ghostbusters Autographs group. And of course, you can follow Matt on Instagram at Ghostbusters Autographs, and you can follow the Containment Unit's toy-making endeavors over at TCU Toys. As always, I want to say thank you, of course, to Brendan Pierce of Baducci Studios, who provides our logo, as well as Vaporwave artist Magnavox, whose version of Ghostbusters serves as our theme music. And as we round out 2023 and head into the 40th anniversary year, I want to say thank you to you for listening all year, for being fun and engaging people who I love making this show for each week. If you've got anything you want to share with the podcast, make sure you reach out to Extraplasm uh, on Instagram at Extraplasm, on X at Extraplasm, uh, Extraplasm Podcast on Facebook and YouTube, and of course, ExtraplasmPodcast at gmail.com if you're into email as opposed to social media. And please come on back this weekend for the holiday special where you'll probably hear me gush even more about just how much all of you out there mean to me. But until then, as you deal with your final days of pre-Christmas anxiety and craziness, don't forget what Ernie Hudson says. Try to have fun and always keep on busting. Take care. 